0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Identity Insights by Indicio. This show takes a look at some of the latest news from around the decentralized identity community and offers you an opportunity to learn a bit more about what Indicio has been up to. Today, we're taking a look at some of the highlights of the recent Indicio meetup featuring Mark Brocklamovich, Senior Director of Blockchain Product Management at Oracle, and Mike Vesey, who is the CEO of IDRAMP. They're going to be talking about interoperability between Hyperledger Fabric and Hyperledger Indy, and discussing a real-world implementation that they worked on together. Without further ado, let's take a look. We're talking today about uh, Hyperledger Fabric and Hyperledger Indy, uh, two of, of the technologies, uh, obviously in the Hyperledger Foundation. They are very different ledgers, um, and they have different uh, purposes. They have you know different requirements that that, that birthed them, and uh, and now we uh, and, and so we're talking today about combining them for the for the features that each ledger actually has.
1: Hyperledger Fabric was one of the earlier projects that began in the Hyperledger Foundation. Um, you know, probably going back, uh, what, five, six years, maybe now. Um, and uh, it's a platform that's built for generic blockchain use cases with the concept of uh, peer nodes that hold copies of the ledger and have ability to execute smart contracts. And those smart contracts are generic business logic that can be written in Go, JavaScript, or Java. So supports multiple languages today. Um there is uh, a notion of a client, which could be, uh, in our case, we created a separate Oracle REST proxy, which is an API gateway to orchestrate all of the interactions and simplify some of the complexity. But this is essentially a client that sends a transaction request invoking one or more smart contracts, um, getting the responses read write sets back, and then sending those transactions, they have been endorsed and signed by peer nodes to the ordering service, where the ordering service is a cluster of ordering nodes that's responsible for grouping, sequencing those transactions into blocks, sending the blocks back to peer nodes, where they get verified and then appended to the ledger. So it kind of starts from the client or API gateway perspective, running smart contracts as is the execute for- portion, and then sending them to the ordering nodes, and then the blocks get sent to the peers to be appended to the ledger here. Now, let's talk about how we use it in solution, Mike.
0: Yeah, sure. So let's dig into this. So uh, we had some specific requirements. And again, flexibility, uh, every every deployment is going to be unique. Um, and this this project required us to integrate, as I mentioned. So the high level was uh, integrating the, the 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 verification and the authentication of individuals and allowing them to access these government services. So. To achieve that, um, we needed to enable the, the agencies and departments basically to authenticate against a single set of credentials. And that was difficult because we had, you know, in one of the pilots there were 141 sites and there were almost that many identity systems that they were using to access those. So as a resident or citizen, you know, I had a lot of stuff I had to keep track of and, and manage and we streamlined that into a single set of credentials. So using the combined solution we were able to verify the users and actually go back and provision a higher level uh, user um, in the uh, uh, the idm system that the the state organization was using basically kind of mastering a um, a one identity that would that would transcend all of those different 141 providing a mutable audit trail of requests Documents, verification steps, and credentials. So obviously, that that's talking more. That's more of a fabric type um, uh, solution, right? So in this solution, we would gather these documents, and and we could store the documents in uh, in the OCI, the Oracle Cloud um, uh, infrastructure, on the fabric system. We could pull them out, issue Indy-based credentials based on the metadata contained within those documents. Uh, when when needed, so the solution we uploaded those documents. All those documents were held in contracts on, in fabric, and as they were reviewed and approved, we would submit those and push them out into IndieBase credentials, which were then used for the um, for the actual uh, login process that we're looking at here. So so we took 140 services and retrofitted all of them from traditional username password login systems to using a uh, digital proof Uh, and the digital proof was asking for different sets of information so very interesting that that you know we weren't just saying here's the template and all 141 solutions have to conform to this court services required a much different user payload than uh, than say unemployment services or health and human services. So the challenge was getting all of that information vetted on the front end, getting the credentials issued, and there were multiple credentials issued for um, uh, for the different uh, 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 sets of attributes that each citizen would have. And then as they navigate these different places, the beauty of the solution was, I as the resident don't have to. I don't have to go and look up a uh, driver's license number that I might need for court services. Uh, and and that, that value may not be required for health and human services. So really all the user had to do is interact. All they had to do is is um, uh, scan a QR code or interact with that login system. And the digital proof would ask for the information needed and and mine that out of the credentials that were stored there.
1: In this particular case, we did not actually store credentials on the Oracle blockchain Oracle blockchain platform was used for all of the identifying documents to prove that you are the resident and that you're entitled to the services right so and then the verification process associated with those documents the audit trail as Mike mentioned and so on the credentials were basically run of the uh, private uh, indie deployment in Oracle Cloud that ID ramp implemented and is then they were able to create those Uh, identity credentials uh, and then use basically this passwordless logging mechanism uh, to enable the verified users to go in through the Oracle Identity Cloud service and then verify back, you know, through the DRAM application that, you know, those users, in fact, have various claims, um, you know, interacting basically with their wallet uh, in a kind of a, you know, challenge response mode to be able to get those claims and then Fill in appropriate data that's required for some of these different services. So, this is actually a little bit more detailed diagram. My executive maybe can talk about the process here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, the process again, you know, just this conversation started by, you know, the request, the ask was we want to get rid of passwords across our, our, in our environment, right? So that that's passwords how and
1: multiple separate logins, right, into each yes. agency. Yeah. Yep.
0: We want to keep simplify the process and get rid of the passwords. And and then, as I mentioned, I kind of alluded to in my in the previous segment. We actually made the system smarter and easier to use because uh, I, as the user, don't have to remember where where I get this piece of information. It's all stored in those credentials, and the 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 request, the proof, the request that is coming to me will dynamically mine it. For the password login here are the things we went through basically we, we had to um, submit the data for for verification that's that piece i was talking about where we, registration verification uh, we're uploading our documents we're verifying our identity in step two through um, automated and manual processes so for example if we captured a, a driver's license we could make a direct call out to dmv systems or whatever and do some of that um, some of that verification autom- in an automated fashion Uh, Other pieces of information, like whether they live in a certain jurisdiction and those address requirements for simplicity were just done through a uh, manual verification process. And then once all of that data was good, um, the the administrator, whoever was was reviewing that, would basically mark them all as verified, saying, yes, everything is done. And we would get to the credential distribution phase, which is where we uh, push those out. Because our citizens and residents have previous, you know, they came to the site to upload documents. They came to the site and enrolled, basically first. We had a connection. So one of the beautiful things about um, how how um, did work, and uh, I'll quickly get out of my depths if I don't keep it high level. But it's um, so we had the, these connections that we made. So when that resident came in, we made a connection to them and their digital wallet that they have downloaded. So when we get that identity verified, we don't have to have them come back for that interaction. Instead, we just push the credentials to them. They get an alert on their phone, and say hey, you've got some credentials, and they automatically get stored in their wallet once they approve it and provide their consent. So that's a really that's an important distinction. It sounds really simple, but it's not the way the world works today, right? Uh, it's all. It's all basically relying on me to start some action. If I'm doing my driver's license, it needs to be reviewed. now I got to go back in. you know, there's a very it's a very heavy process for the for the user. This is um, this is not. So I come in, I interact, I upload my stuff, and then I just go about my business and I'm walking on the street one day and I get an alert that my credentials are ready and I'm ready to use those for. Uh, for my, you know, my federated login process for the particular state. So uh, really, really making uh, the experience much better. There are a couple of questions
1: here in chat. So uh, okay. we're going to try to answer them as we go through this. So one was, did we create one super credential with a multiple credentials tailored to each service? And the other one is the limitation of one using Hyperledger Indy. Um, so uh, the answer to the first question is, Based on the residence verification uh, and all of the documents, right? We did create in Oracle Identity Cloud Service, uh, you know, if you will, a master credential, a master identity that the applications could access. And whenever application, you know, there's a large number of applications across large number of agencies. So whenever they're ready to actually start using that master credentials, they can, uh, right? And for the first few, they began using that. That was kind of the objective. Um, but at the same time, as Mike was mentioning, uh, if they need additional information they can interrogate the wallet, uh, we do not store any of that additional information, um, in the Oracle IDCS. Um, and, uh, if they don't need the, you know, to go through a credential, if they want to continue to use essentially this universal login, m- a passwordless mechanism, then those applications could leverage direct connection to the wallet.
0: Yeah. So, so, so it. We created a master identity, which was a request by the customer and a requirement of the project. But we broke that identity into multiple granular credentials because, as I mentioned, we wanted to be able to be very, very dynamic in how we presented that information, understanding that each of those different services required a different payload. So, for example, the presentation to the customer was one form, fill in this information information. Uh, upload your driver's license, whatever the case might be, and then we would break that apart and store those into micro credentials, if you will, that were very laser focused. Address, for example, is much different than driver's license, and you know, so so we were able to really provide the best possible um, um, uh, footprint for a, an end user, and for the for me as a consumer, it's it's really easy. I don't have to understand. I don't have to understand the technology, right? I just when I, I just get an alert on my phone and it says, hey, you got these, these three things from the state. Uh, do you want to put them in your wallet? And I say, yep. And they're there. And then I never worry about them again, right? Thank you all so much for watching. If you're interested in verifiable credential technology and would like to learn more, please be sure to subscribe to the channel and we'll continue to bring you some more educational content. If you have any questions or specific topics that you'd like for us to cover, please leave a comment below and we'll be sure to read and address them. If you'd like to see the full video that these clips are taken from, I'll also have a link in the description below. Thanks so much.